Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the first episode of Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts. So you guys know who I am. I'm your host, Amara, but I want to introduce you to my co-host and my husband, Jason. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Jason is the producer and editor on the podcast, and he's going to be joining us for Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts. So Jason, say hi. What's up, y'all? I'm happy to to be here, man. I'm happy to be. Well, I'm glad you're joining us. I'm happy to be my wife. Yeah, I'm happy. I was I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous when I was like, I don't know if Jason's going to do it. But when you say you're going to do it, I was really happy because I'm anxious to hear what you think about these cases. Like we talk about them, but yeah. I'm anxious to hear what you think. But the, but the crazy part about it is that you talk about them. You yeah. talk about these cases a lot. And, you know, at the end of the day, I was telling my wife, you know, well, you, you tell you're telling me, which I'm very interested because the issues are important. Yeah. Um, you know, we try to get to the bottom of some of the stuff that's going on. and. You know, and you've definitely gotten more interested since we started doing this. Yeah, Yeah, like it wasn't true crime wasn't your thing before this. Like it's it's, it's never been. Yeah, but but you know, just you having so much knowledge of the cases and stuff that you are able to add, and you know, little little input that you have outside of you know you recording your regular episode. I said, why why you keep telling? I love to hear, but why you keep telling me? You got a lot of people that you know might want to know. What you think about these cases, you know, how you feel about them. Yeah. Um, you know, other things that you, you know, you might have seen that, you know, are red flags. So, um, yeah, I want you to try to recap the episode. A lot of people are, you know, um, trying to figure out what you think about what happened. And uh, that's one part of it. But let's talk about, let's really talk about what happened, like what yeah, what you good. said and and, you know, what you put out there. Yeah, so this week we told the story of the tragic murder of Dana Chisholm, who was 25 years old when she was found strangled to death in her apartment in Washington, D.C. on February 27th, 1995. At the time, Dana was four weeks pregnant, and uh, after she didn't show up for work, her landlord found her in her apartment dead. This case has so many questions. There's so many things about this story that just don't make any sense at all. Yeah, it's a crazy story. I think that, you know, you know, we're going to work through so many of these things during this episode. But for me, I, you know, just when I first found the story of Dana Chisholm, the, the thing that stood out to me the most was 
the phone call to her parents. That that was the thing that really grabbed my attention because, you know, I see a lot of stories. I, I research a lot of stories. I've told a lot of stories, but I've never told a story that had that element in it. And so that right there, you know, grabbed my attention right away because it was so strange. What year? What year did this happen? So this what? is 1995. 1995. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking, this is 28 20. years ago, yeah. almost 28 years ago, this February, that this happened. Um, you know, we're talking pay phones. We're talking, you know, right. this is, this is, you know, pre cell phone, pre, pre, way pre cell phone. Um, but there are things about that. And so, you know, so that, that's kind of like the first thing that I wanted to talk about was that that phone call because, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody that's listening, but to me, like I said, that was the number one thing about this case that was the most mysterious because it's like almost every other part of this case, none of it makes sense because Dana's murder, being murdered the way she will never make sense. But there are certain elements of this case where if you look at it, you'd be like, okay, well, I can see how this matches up with this or how this could have caused this or how this, these things are connected. To me, the phone call are, is the... Is the is that the first? Is, well, is that... The, I mean, I think it's many things, but is that the first thing? That's, that's the, first that the first thing, thing to me. That's the first thing. It's the, okay. it's the first thing and, and it's, the, it's the... Yeah, it's the most mysterious thing. All right, so talk, the, so, I, all right, so talk about, the, talk about the phone call. Okay, so Dana's parents, 17 hours before her body is found, receive a phone call from someone saying that they are a Detective Douglas, quote-unquote Detective Douglas, and that Dana has been arrested as part of a sting at a hotel. Um, She's been arrested for prostitution, and now she is in jail. She's going to be arraigned in the morning. This is what he tells her parents. Um, And, you know, also part of the conversation is that, you know, Dana didn't want to call them, but he convinced her. And, you know, she's she's basically, it's like he's trying to give them that she's okay. She, she's going to be arraigned in the morning and, you know, and then, you know, whatever. And then he also leaves them a phone number. This is, this, so he, this is all, this all sounds like, okay. if you're just hearing this part of the story, like, right. okay, all right, crazy. Hours go by, Dana's parents are trying to reach Dana because now they're like, okay, well, this is what happened. Like we said, pre-cell phone. So you can't call her cell phone. Right. You can't be like, well, no cell phone. They have to wait till she gets home. This is, you know, either home or work, any near a phone. They call Dana. Dana doesn't answer the phone. Dana never picks up. Um, you know, they decide, okay, well, we got a number. The detective, the officer left us a number. Call the officer back. Officer says... I didn't call you last night. I don't know anything about your daughter being in jail. I mean, I don't know why anybody would give you my number to call. Right. So it turns out that the that the person that called is not Officer Douglas. Right, so okay. That, so we're okay. not. So, so we're this is not there. Officer Douglas. So this is the. Right. This is so. So now, now we're now. It's, now the story is turning, and now it's becoming strange because it's like now. Okay. So like I said, if you just heard oh, Officer Douglas calls the parents, that seems pretty. I guess routine. You know, whatever. But then you find out. Okay, this is not Officer Douglas. Then hours later, her her family, her parents try to call her job. She's not at work. Um, then her job ultimately becomes the one to call her landlord. Her landlord finds Dana's body. Dana has been dead. Dana, the coroner determines that Dana has been dead since the night before. So then we know that when the call is placed at 1 a.m. to her parents, saying that Dana is present in, in, in jail, sorry, Dana's not in jail. Dana is dead. Now, 
we have all of that. And that, that's crazy. Now, if you listen to the story, you right. know you know how these series of events played out. So give Okay, so that's the first thing. Yeah. But I, there's more to the story. I did have, I did listen to the story yeah, yeah, yeah. more than once. But, you know, even when you listen to, to these stories, yeah. sometimes you got to listen to them a few sometimes, times to yeah. just connect all the parts. Sure. So that's one major part. Give me another, you know, okay. give me something else. Okay, so so was, we're going to, so I'm going to, because I'm going to stay focused a little bit on the, on the call, right? Because okay. this is where my biggest questions come into play. Okay, so we have, we've, we've, we've summarized that whole entire phone call. Now, Dana is found deceased. Now we're trying to find out what is the connection. And I'm going to skip over a little bit of part because we're going to keep it within the phone call. But so Dana's parents end up telling the the detective, the lead detective on the case about the phone call. And now they're, now they're trying to figure out, well, why does, why is he calling Detective Douglas? What does he have to do with this? Right. Now the police's theory, which, okay, just going the police's theory is that after the person murdered Dana. So they're assuming that the killer and the caller are the same person. That after this person murdered Dana and ransacked her apartment, that he then found Detective Douglas's card, which was connected to a situation where Dana had uh, called the police because her TV was stolen. Right. And apparently, I remember that. Yeah, I and apparently Detective Douglas yeah. was the person who, uh, the police officer that was assigned to this case. So their assumption is that Detective Douglas gives Dana his card and she has it in his apartment. And then the killer, after murdering her, takes the card, walks, drives to a payphone, and then places this call to her parents. Now, here's the question. Why? Why would he do this? Yeah. And <laughs> and, and so I, I did hear that part. And, you know, when I one thing I did kind of look up on the side was that... Um, a lot of people in this country, you know, they impersonate police officers and it's to be in a position of power because when you hear something from a, you know, you know, a lot of times when you hear for something from somebody in power, it makes you think that it's true. Like it could be, it could be, you know, Which your is mother, true. you could be a but the teacher, question is, a principal, like when you hear, but you know, so that's, that's why I think that, you know, yeah. I'm just trying to justify no, 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 why, no. why he I get did it. it. No, you know I get it. I, mean? I get it. I get it. I mean, and there's all types of like, I guess, psychology behind why somebody would decide to impersonate the cop. I guess. So, so the question about why, why would he impersonate the cop? Not only why would he impersonate a cop, but right. why would he impersonate a real cop. That's the part. So wait, oh, you mean uh, so I get what you're saying. So you mean that somebody that's already yeah, this is somebody uh, in, the, that, in the police force. Yeah, this is a real cop. <laughs> we're not talking about. We're not talking about like I'm just gonna say yeah. okay, like detective, you know, John, John exactly, <laughs> Jackson, D detective John Smith. Like I'm not going to do like that's that's not what we're talking about. We're talking right. about you find the card for a real detective, and then you not only pretend to be this real officer, but then you give the parents. The real officer's phone number, which is like, well, I just, like I said, that part of the case is, it, it just doesn't make sense. And I do believe, like the police, that the killer and the caller are the same person because that there's too much of a coincidence for them to be two different people. I do believe that they are the same person. I just don't understand what the motive was behind that part of the story. That's the part. That's the part of the story that just it just it uh yeah, it bothers me because I just well, I don't get it. One thing that I can say about a lot of these cases, 
um, me recently um, getting into true crime, the things that you cover, is that, you know, people will do anything to mm-hmm. throw you off the scent or throw you <laughs> off the true. trail. That's true. So it's like, That's true. you know, it it's could, not, It could be no rhyme or no yeah, reason. It, don't like, have, it really don't have to be anything. It could yeah. be just that, you know, and I mean, I, and was, that's when the senselessness of it all comes to, in. He was just trying to throw somebody exactly. off. Exactly. You know or, I mean? or or just wasn't thinking or thought that that thinking. was a smart move. I mean, you know, d- people who commit these type of crimes, you know, they don't have to be people who are highly intelligent no, or, man. you know, they could just be making nah, moves and man, doing sorry. things and, try, like you said, trying to throw somebody off the trail thinking then that's going to, I don't know, buy him time maybe, you know what I mean? Like maybe, you know, maybe if they thought that she was in jail, this would buy him time for right. them to find his bot, find the body okay. and, you know. But that could be, that could uh, be a reason. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But, all right. So, so, all right, let's oh, go yeah, forward. Let's, 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 let's talk about, on. let's talk about another, like, let's, let's give, you know, I think there was a lot of things, like I said, about this case that could have been interesting, shocking things yeah. that, you know, might've been a real focal point of the case. Give me something else. So, the second thing I think is the, we were we were on second. I think this is no, third. this no, no, that was the first. We were still on the first thing because the phone call was really the first thing. We were just kind of exploring the the bigger parts of the phone call. We didn't okay. move on to the second thing. This, okay. So number number two for me is um, the uh, personal ads and the men in uh, Dana's life. Okay. Because. You know, like I said, looking at what we know, which is not a lot, uh, the possibility that the murderer is one of these men is, I think, it's I think it's it's a very high probability. I don't think I'm like walking out on a limb to say that. Um, why, who, which one? Don't know. Now, the, with the men, all right, this is the part of the story that I actually don't. Remember how okay. was she? How like when you when you say men, she was meeting men. I know, like you said, she was. So like according to what we know, like according to reporting, uh, when Dana's body was found, of course they start going through her apartment. They're trying to find out, you know, who she is. What who you know? What why why would this happen to her? And inside her apartment, um, they find personal ads, nineteen ninety five. Uh, they find newspaper personal ads with um, uh, certain you know paid parts, you know, circled with with men's information. They also found that she herself had been placing personal ads okay. um, for dates. Uh, one of the quotes from the Washington Post about it was like, the, the detective described them as 976 date type ads, which is, you know, something from way back in the day. But that's what, you know, that's part of the personal ad scene back then. Um, and then the other thing that the cops found was, I'm assuming it's a journal. They don't really describe it, what it is, but I'm assuming it's like a journal type of situation where she was keeping information about the men that she was dating and like names, phone numbers, what they did for occupation. So connecting all of that together, police, you know, got this, you know, made this conclusion, drew drew this conclusion, I should say, that she was um, meeting men this way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in yeah. light, so, all right. So that's, that's two. Mm-hmm. So, um, what, what else? There's a, there's a lot of layers. No, so there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. So when, you know, and and then, and then I think after the phone call, we talked about the phone call. I think at, at all of these other things are in some ways connected. So then, 
we have the personal ads. Um, we have the notes that she kept on these men. Uh, we have the issue of the fact that Dana was pregnant. She was, uh, the autopsy revealed that she was four weeks yeah, pregnant that at opens the time. Up, that opens up a lot of... Yeah, that opens up know. a lot of questions because then the question is, well, was it one of these men? Was right. it one of these men that is included in this book? And then was it the cause of her murder? Because... You know, if you listen to last week's episode when we did Crystal Taylor, um, I talked about, you know, that homicide is the leading cause of death for women. When right. women are pregnant, they are more likely to be murdered. So was it connected to the pregnancy? Um, you know, so that's the, I think that's the other thing. We know that she told her coworker, but who else knew that Dana was pregnant? We know her parents didn't know, um, but, you know, who else in her life may have known? Did she end up telling the father of the baby, hey, I'm pregnant. This is what's going on. So I didn't include this part in the episode um, because, you know, there's sometimes I don't include things like this. And it's, it's you know, there's sometimes it's just, they're my own reasons. But I understand. You know, and sometimes it's because of the, of, of what I'm, of what, of the story I'm trying to tell. And since I'm the storyteller, I get to determine, you know, things that I know that are not relevant or are relevant. But one of the things that the detective said is that when he spoke to some of these men, that they said things about Dana that didn't necessarily imply that she was blackmailing them, but that she, I don't know, was like sort of blackmailing them, or like the, the blackmail wasn't. Wait, 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 say it again. Say this again. So, so, so there was a part where the detective is talking to the Washington Post, and he says that when he called some of these men, that they would say things like Dana would mentioned that, oh, my roommate moved out and I need money for rent. As far as we know, Dana didn't have a roommate. Um, but she would say things like this. And and the men made it seem like she wouldn't outright say like, you know, you better give me this money or, you know, or else. But it was like, they felt like that was implied. Like, right. oh, if she, I better give her this money to keep her quiet. Now, that could have just been their assumption. Like, I am married and I am having sex with this woman. So if I you know, she asked me for money. I might want to give it to her just in case. You know what I mean? But we we don't know. So so basically, I think that you know, if you talk about motive in this situation, you know that you know her being pregnant stands out, but her being pregnant doesn't stand out as much as her, you know, having these you know men that she's dealing with, and yeah. Not, you know, kind of blackmailing them, even if it's not aggressive. If it's, you know, I'm going to give me a thousand dollars, I'm going to tell your wife or whatever yeah, the situation, but it even, even if it's passive, all I'm saying is that, that, that type of situation to me would be more motive than, you know, if we're talking about just motive, like in, in, in the case, but my thing that is, would be more you, of a situation than, than her being pregnant. They might not, she's not, she wasn't in love with these dudes unless she yeah, was. Yeah, no, no. Right? But I mean, but that, that, that all, that's, that, that's the question. I mean, who knows what, what whoever the father was or whoever the man was. And then, like I said, this is an assumption that she even said this or this was even about her being pregnant. We 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 do not know that. She might not have told anybody except her coworker and was going to tell her parents. We don't know that she told the man that she was pregnant. This is just like, you know, we're, we're making the assumption that that could have been the reason why. But like you said, if there are other things going on, if she is using some sort of blackmail or some sort of, you know, 
I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like that to, to kind of maybe, I, I, I guess extorting them would be a good word. Like for money, then that could have been like, somebody could have been like, listen, I'm not doing this no more. I don't care. You know, that sometimes things happen in the heat of a moment. Sometimes things are not pre-planned. Like sometimes things are not premeditated. That could also account for the stupidity of the phone call because maybe this wasn't a well thought out situation. Maybe this did happen in the heat of the moment. Maybe they got into an argument. Maybe that's why the apartment was ransacked. Maybe there was a fight beforehand. Who knows? You know what I mean? Maybe she said something that, 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 you know, set this off or maybe, you know what I mean? Or set them off, not, not excusing it, but just trying to work through like how this, you know, how it happened. Exactly. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know, but I do believe that that all the, that those things are connected to the to the murder. I do I do not believe that there is um, that this was like a, a random uh, murder. I do believe that she knew her killer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I was going through the uh, comments on the episode on YouTube, mm-hmm. which sometimes I do read the comments just to see what the feedback is. Mm-hmm. And a question that somebody kind of like posed was mm-hmm. about uh, her living situation. She was living in a house. She was renting a house, the basement floor. She was a, a, the basement apartment. Basement of a house. apartment of a house. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people that lived above her, yeah, had, uh, had it was a, a son, woman and her son. A woman and her son. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, it just struck me like, um, you know, how much did, how much investigation or how much do we know about this? You know, do we know about the son? Do <laughs> yeah. we know about, you know, because I mean, you know, she was dating some guys. Okay, yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you know, that yeah. doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Like, what what else could have happened? Was she laid on her? Was she? Did she own the house? The lady owned the house. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Assuming. Was yeah, she owned right, the house? So was she laid on her rent? Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Yeah, I, no, that's you know, a. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I yeah, the, I don't. What was the situation like? We you know? honestly, we don't know. I mean, I the the only mention of the woman and her son obviously is in connection to you know it was a woman owned the owned the home turned the basement into an apartment. Her and her son lived there. Now I don't know how old the son was at the time. I don't know if he was a teenager. I don't know if he was an adult. Um, I know that the woman um, after the murder sold the home and and moved away. Um, so so we don't know. We don't know what that connection was. Um, the information that we have about this case, like so many of these cases, and especially one that's twenty eight from twenty years ago, there's a lot of there's not a lot of information. There's not a lot of you know, articles written about it. Most of them have taken place a long time ago. And so even those little details about, you know, the landlord and things like that, we don't know, you know, what she knows. All this is, but this is why I pose the question. Mm-hmm. Because in the story, uh, in the story, you said that there was no sign of forced entry. Of forced entry. Mm-hmm. It means somebody had a key. Or, and, you know, oh, well, or the door was, or the door was, or was open. Or she let him in. But DC, no. Nah, or door, she let him or in. She let him in. Here's there's another one, of, the, one here's of those three. A, here's another interesting thing that I saw, and I wasn't really sure 
um, when I was doing the research for the episode is uh, before, sometime after, I'm sorry, sometimes after, after the murder occurred, there was a reporter on the scene who ended up finding a key somewhere, maybe a block or two away from Dana's apartment. Um, it ended up being a key to her apartment. Now, they did not know if this key was a spare key that she maybe kept under a mat or if it was a key that she had lost. This wasn't in the No, this was not this in, the in the story. No, this okay. was not in the story. All right. Um, but yeah, so that was so when you say key, it's interesting because it could have been somebody with a key. But like I said, I mean, I am, it or it might not have been. Well, you know what I mean? This is, could, legit, this is literally the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I just you're telling I, me this. Yeah, I, see. I did. Yeah, no, yeah. I just I don't do the research. I just, you know, like I said, there's there's always so many things about the episode and there's so many parts about the story. And there's so many things I'm trying to include. And that's why it's good that we now have afterthoughts because sometimes, you know, it's just there's so much information and I'm trying to make sure I include the most important facts and I'm trying to make sure I include the story that there's sometimes I don't include things or I don't know where to include things or it's just, you know, it's it's a it's a process. But yes, um, so that was one of the things that um that I saw. I know that the police, I don't believe, ever confirmed that it. it was something that I that then that the you know papers were reporting, the Washington Post particularly. But yeah. So, so when we when it comes to who, how someone entered Dana's apartment, yes, it could have easily been somebody who had a key, found a key. Um, it could have been someone that Dana let in when they knocked on the door because she knew them. She knew they were coming. Um, you know, like I said, I don't know in terms of we talk about twenty eight years ago. It's like. What type of technology existed? Did were they would they have been able to pull phone records at that point and say who what phone calls were coming in and out of Dana? Even if it was you know obviously it was a landline, but right. would they have been able to trace those numbers? Like, well, who was the last person that Dana called? Because we know that she left work on Friday and that she didn't die until Sunday at nine p.m. So what was going on with Dana between that time she left work? In the time she was found dead, what was happening all of Saturday? She said her, she told her coworker she wasn't feeling well, but you know, was she home that whole entire weekend? No, did anybody see her coming and going? Like just things like that, we we don't know, and we probably will never know. I mean, because you know, the people who may even know those things, you know, are not around or not. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. Okay, so. This is a portion where I want to ask you some questions. Of course, I listened to the episode. Mm -hmm. I listened to it. And um, I have a few questions. I wrote the questions down. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll give you my first question. Okay. All right. Cool. So the first question is, uh, what was Dana doing before her uh, job at the Hudson? Mm -hmm. uh, I, the episode said something like she wanted to be a singer. Mm -hmm. And I, I know how that can get, you yeah. know, Want to be a musician, an artist, yeah. artist, and things of that, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So, what was she, you know, doing before she got the job? So we don't know. That's the that's the thing. I don't know what Dana was doing prior to uh, her getting the job at the Hudson Institute. According to, you know, the articles about it, Dana was in Washington D.C. for eighteen months after she uh, graduated from the business college she moved to DC in sometime in 93 
she was in D.C. for 18 months in total, but she'd only been working at the Hudson Institute for four months. So that means that Dana had been in D.C. for a while, but as far as we know, wasn't working at the Hudson Institute. Now, for all I know, she was working somewhere else. She was maybe doing, who knows? But the information that we have is that she had only been working at the Hudson Institute for four months. So prior to that, we do not know what Dana was doing. Okay, the reason why I ask is mm-hmm. is that um, they went through that list of, yeah. of of did they ever come up with anybody that worked at the Hudson at the Hudson with yes. her? Did they ever come up with any men? Yeah, yeah. no men, she, men. Like men that she worked with that was on that list. I, now that is a good question. I really, honestly, don't know. They didn't. If so, they never said. And and here's the thing: they never specified. Any of these men, they, you know, like I said, we're talking about articles. Some some of them, you know, the first article about this was in 95, so it was 28 years ago. Right. But none of the articles specify these men besides giving descriptions of them of being, like, in their 50s and married and living in the suburbs and, you know, police officers. But never, you know, yes, there was two men from Dana's job and three men from this place. It wasn't anything like that. It was, so no, we don't know. We have no idea if, if there was that connection, but that's actually a really good question. I never, I was just curious. All right. So my next question Mm -hmm. is about the, the fake cop, the the pretend cop. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, You said that he called her parents. Yes. So how did, how did he, (laughs) How do you get the, the parents' number? Yeah, how do you, how do you get the number? Uh, yeah, that's a good question too. I don't know. That's the part where that's the whole part about the weirdness of the of the whole thing about the cop because you have the fake cop calling her parents, pretending to be a real cop. How did he get her? So, so we're supposed to believe that in this time span of him committing this heinous murder, then he's searching her apartment. Now he has to search for her parents' number, and now he also finds the number for this police officer. I mean, for all we know, they could have all been in the same place. Dana could have had her parents' phone number written on in, in a book or something. You know, maybe, you know, back in the day, people yeah, used to have was, address books. Yeah, later. 1995. I remember yeah. people back in the day used to have address books. So maybe she did have an address book, and he just found it in the book. Um, that, right. But that just, you know, like I said, as just like as much as the going all the way to the payphone and making that call, that still doesn't make sense. Why yeah, are you just, going through all yeah, of this? Yeah, that's just weird. And like I said, it's for, you know, for me, you know, I never want to, you know, make it seem like, you know, I know how to be a police officer or I know what they do mm-hmm. or know, like I know what a detective does. But it's like, at the end of the day, who who was this person mm-hmm. that was able to get her parents' number? number and yeah. And call her like call how close? Them, yeah. How close were they? Like back in the day, like unless they were just unless they were just listening a phone book and they had a name. That's you know also I mean? possible. I thought about Which that too. Dom, but Donnelly, then, but then, but Donnelly then, Directory. Or yeah, but the only, the only thing pages? I thought about that was that that they were in a separate place. So usually the phone books that you had access to back in the day were of your area. Like would they have had access to a phone book for yeah, South they got, Carolina? If they, yeah, if they went down there and got one. Yeah, but that's <laughs> a, that's a lot. Like that's even more. Like I think it's more. If anything. They found it inside of an address book. If it if if it is just as simple as that, but like I right. said, even that just really doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. I just, I just, I cannot understand. The other thing that I cannot understand is why Officer Douglas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
why do why why bring Officer Douglas into this? That's the part I can't understand. Because somebody was trying to throw him right under the yeah, like like right if I was the, Officer right Douglas, the Brinks truck. yeah, because that was the other thing. Is like because you know <laughs> Officer Douglas stops talking, like he doesn't he he stops being yeah. like if I was Officer Douglas, I'd be all up in this case because I'd be trying to figure out who was trying to get. Why would you get me involved in a homicide? Right. Like I'm just a I'm just a cop. As far as we know, he worked. I don't know. Well, he was called to a robbery, so he worked like maybe I don't know robbery. Now, now all of a sudden, his name twenty, even twenty eight years later, because here we are talking about Officer Douglas is wrapped up in a unsolved homicide, all because a murderer decided to call her parents and pretend to be him. Yeah. If that was me, I'd definitely be having. I would. I would have had to say something by now. Yeah. I would have had to speak out about it because. It would it would haunt me first of all. I would think about it. So I don't know. I don't why know. Why did why did the cops why did the cops tell him not to talk? Right. That's that's my <laughs> that's, other question. That's a that. Hey, I don't know. I. It all goes into the whole like, why didn't why why is why wouldn't Detective Douglas want Officer Douglas want to speak about this? Why did the police, the Metropol- Metropolitan Police Department in Washington D.C., block him from speaking to reporters? Because we don't have any. Not one quote statement, nothing from Officer Douglas. Apparently, shortly after this, um, after the murder, he was transferred to another department and poof pow, Officer Douglas was gone. And her parents never heard from him. The media never heard from him. Nobody knows what Officer Douglas looks like. I couldn't tell you if he was white or black. I know nothing about him. Nothing. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Listen, man. Good stuff. So... This is my last question. Okay. It's kind of a few questions. All right, all right. All right. It's kind of like a, a you know. A compound? I, yeah, a compound A compound question. question. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, like I said before, mm-hmm. did Dana tell anybody that she was pregnant? Did she tell one of these men that she was pregnant? Um, did, you know, did they not test? I like I said, I'm not a forensic specialist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if if they found her, while she was four weeks pregnant, mm-hmm. they didn't, you know, I don't know when DNA came out. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know. <laughs> DNA, yeah. Yeah, I don't know when DNA testing yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. I mean? But she was four weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't test her DNA. Yeah. You know, they didn't, you know, nobody, you know, none of these yeah. guys, you know, maybe maybe they didn't know she was pregnant. Yeah. Like I said, or they did. Or they did. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, I mean, here's what. She here's, tell anybody. So, so we, so. Besides her coworker, we don't know of her telling anyone else about her pregnancy. Um, so, you know, we do know that she, you know, she had this close friend at work um, and confided in her. Uh, but outside of that, don't have any other people that have come, that came forward, you know, any articles to say that they also knew that Dana was pregnant. In terms of the DNA and the uh, pregnancy, what my assumption is, and like I said, I'm no DNA expert either, but, um, you know, DNA in 1995 was definitely not as advanced as it is now in 2020, you know, 2023. So, you know, my assumption is that, and and at that stage, you're talking about a four-week-old fetus, which we're talking about, you know, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know, I'm no doctor, I don't know any, but I would assume that at that point, a four-week-old fetus, it would have been hard for them to test DNA on that. That's just, or 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 impossible, or they just did not have the technology to do so. Um, 
And I, we gotta look into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the idea yeah, would yeah. be something to really look for into. Further, but for further episodes, yeah, so we'll know. But like I said in the episode, I don't know about any other um, DNA being collected. Um, like I said, we know that the the cops spoke to uh, some of these men that Dana had been involved with, but we don't know if any of them were ever brought in and questioned, if any of them ever volunteered to give their DNA to be tested against any evidence that they found at the scene. None of that was um, disclosed in any of the information that I saw about this case. Uh, But yeah. And then my last question, Mm -hmm. um, final question, is... uh, It said on the episode... Mm -hmm. Dana was home mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. So she was home all day on Saturday and all day on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They have no recollection of of, no. of of what was going on during that time. She didn't call anybody. She nope. didn't, she didn't as go As far anywhere. as we know, um, like you said, her coworker last saw her leaving work uh, around 7 p.m. on Friday. She mentioned that she wasn't feeling good, that she was planning to stay in that weekend. Uh, but according to her coworker, she called Dana on Saturday and Dana didn't answer the phone. Um, and so she, you know, she did, see, you know, in her interview with the Washington Post, she said, you know, I, I did feel a little bit worried, but, you know, you know, but she called her but, and she called her a couple more times. Dana never answered the phone. So nobody ever saw or spoke to Dana after 7 p.m. on Friday, February 24th. Um, that was the last time anybody ever spoke to her. Nobody Sitting and her landlord, as far as I know, like I said, what I'm saying, this is all based on what we know from reporting. For all I know, there's a file somewhere where all of this information exists. But based on what we know, Dana's landlord never saw her that weekend. Her neighbors didn't report seeing her. They didn't report anybody coming to visit or seeing anybody coming to visit her. Um, Dana had a car, apparently, because uh, the detective said he left something on her car. So she had a car. Nobody reports seeing her vehicle move during that time period. So as far as we know, um, Dana was home, you know, by herself, as far as we know. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so... The, the last, I guess, kind of thing, and, and this also happens sort of as the story kind of comes to an unsolved end, um, and the last kind of mysterious part of the puzzle is the second mysterious caller, and that is the person who ends up calling Detective Farish after the murder. Um, and so you listen to the story, you know that Detective Farish starts receiving these phone calls from someone um, at first, he you know he misses the calls, and then finally he talks to this man. And he, and the article describes him as a man with a raspy voice, and he says that the man tells him that he knows why Dana is dead, and basically it's because, you know, for lack of a better word, he Dana was a hoe, and she basically deserved it. That's basically what he tells Officer Farish, um, and um, he also wants to make sure that Officer Farish relays this information to the media. That's pretty much his biggest reason why he's calling Dana. He's like, I want you to tell the media these things about Dana. He's, you know, so he's actively, you know, trying to ruin her reputation, even in her death. He wants to make sure, tell everybody, you know, who she was and why this happened to her. Detective Farish says, you know, okay, I'll do it. I'll, uh, I'll tell, I'll tell the media what you want me to tell them. 
Um, but, you know, he says the whole time that he he knew that he wasn't. He was going to try to use this as a way to kind of draw this person out, try to make him, you know, talk more. If he makes him mad, you know, he'll come back and maybe he'll even meet with him. So Detective Farish tells the media complete opposite about Dana. And uh, it works because then, you know, the man calls him back. And then according to the, his interview with The Washington Post, over a two-month period, he speaks to this man you know, three times, um, and finally he convinces this man to come and meet him. And then uh, Detective Farish goes to the place. The man never shows up. Um, and then Detective Farish never hears from this man again. So the assumption is that the person who called Dana's parents at one o'clock in the morning on February 27th to say that she had been arrested is also the same man that is calling Detective Farish months later to ruin her reputation and get him to, you know, say things about her in the media, about her life. Um, but once again, it's just another mysterious because nobody knows who he is. Um, they you know, 16 years after the murder, Detective Farish did an interview with the Washington Post. And, um, you know, he talked about the fact that he never uh, heard from that man again and how, you know, in the article, and this is in 2011, he's like, you know, if he's out there, you know, tell him, you know, I still want to talk to him. Uh, but Detective Farish has now since retired as a police officer. So, you know, he's no longer on the case. And I'm pretty sure that Everyone else who was involved with this case at the time is probably retired now, too, because we're talking 28 years ago. So um, there continues to be a bunch of unanswered questions about this case. I think that the, the thing that stands out to me the most about this case is that I believe that it is solvable. I believe. I, oh, I definitely yeah, believe that. I, like when I when I actually, you know, when I actually and that's why I have had these had these questions, mm -hmm. but also, you know. When I when I hear you talk about certain cases mm -hmm. over other cases, mm -hmm. well, I'm like, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Did they did did, did they did they stop? Like, yeah, you know what happened? You I think I mean? that you know, like I said, I <laughs> I I don't know who it is, and we don't have any names, so you know, it's not accusing any one person. But I will say that in my heart, I believe that whoever murdered uh, Dana was a cop. I believe it was a police officer. I believe that they were a cop. It's, you know, I don't know which cop. I don't know who. We do know that she dated police officers. Um, the, the the fact that someone chose to involve another police officer is just wait, too wait, cool. Wait, 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 wait. I missed that part. She dated she dated police officers? Yeah, she, you know, according to the, the, the book that she had, she dated at least two police officers according to, to the reporting about her. So we know that she, you know, had that, Situation. She had that connection to the cops. Um, you have I missed, somebody I now. That part. Yeah, you have somebody now bringing in another cop who, as far as we know, doesn't have any connection to Dana besides this TV being stolen. So, so yeah. So if you if you were to ask me, that is my assumption. And so maybe that is why the ball was dropped. Maybe you know, and like I said, this is all allegedly, but it's just too much 
that points to that. And I saw I saw your guys' comments on on Instagram particularly. And a lot of you were saying were saying that, like you believe in somebody in law enforcement. And I didn't want to comment back because I wanted to save my thoughts for the episode. But I agree. I do. I I I agree. Well, that, um, I mean, and that's the purpose of the yeah, the show. The show. Like, so the, you can hear what I think. The, yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, so I I I definitely and to see what other people yeah, might yeah, think. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I think that, you know, I I, you know, I thought that almost kind of right away because once I started kind of hearing the details and 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 researching the details, I should say. Um I I that that's the conclusion that I drew. And so I think that that may have contributed to you know, some of the things that happened in this case, you know, but on the other hand, it's, it was 28 years ago, you know, um, there are things that are available to police now that were not available to them then. Um, I think that, you know, so yeah, so I think that, you know, but I do think that this case is solvable. I think that it is. I think that even 28 years later, um, I believe that it's all. I've seen other cases that seem to have way less information, way less things going on that have been solved. And so I believe that Dana's case um, is solvable. And hopefully, you know, one of these, you know, you know, just watching that show Cold Justice and these shows that like pick up these older cases and they just are able to like, you know, break them apart and get all this information. Um, I feel like if somebody really really dug deep into this case, really had access to files, really had access to the investigation, could break this case wide open because the killer is closer to Dana than than they, you know, originally believed. I believe that. Um, what we're going to do next week is we're going to open up um, emails, DMs, emails, DMs. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Uh, comments. Comments. You're on... Uh, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, TikTok, TikTok, Twitter, Twitter, yeah, all of that. So, um, well, this week I I filled in and I you know asked <laughs> some of my questions. Yeah, you know. Um, but, but yeah, no, we want to hear your guys' yeah, questions. We want to know. We want to hear. Like, what? like I said, I mean, I see you guys' questions on on. Um, you know, Instagram particularly, TikTok too. My TikTok people follow me on TikTok, um, Facebook. I I see you guys' comments, especially about an episode and questions. Of, you know, my YouTube followers. Um, so you know, I definitely want to be able to kind of address some of those questions. You know, directly, like you know, on the show. That's why we got the show. So um, yeah. So right for right now, that's just going to be the best way. And I'll you know, I'll look at the comments and we'll read from them um, and read from the questions. In the future, I really hope to get a better like streamlined service. I'm looking into some better ways for you guys to not only submit questions for this show, but also to submit cases for Black Girl Gone for our regular stories. Um, right now, you know, you guys will DM me, you'll email me, um, and sometimes it can get a little overwhelming. And so I really want to find a better way to kind of streamline um, those processes and those um, suggestions and submissions. So if anybody's out there who has any ideas, please drop a DM to me and say, hey, Amara, this might be a good idea for you to get these submissions um, and kind of organize them. So they're going to tell sure. you to check your DMs. Yeah, they're gonna check. I don't mind checking my DMs, <laughs> like, but I kind of, I just want to make sure playing. because I know that people submit <laughs> cases and I might miss them or I might miss your email or it might end up in my spam or end up in my hidden requests. And it's, it's, it's hard to kind of keep them all together. So 
Um, so yeah, so that's something that I'm working on. But yeah, next week, um, when we do, you know, obviously our episode drop on Monday as usual. And then after that, um, after you guys listen, you know, shoot me your questions. And then on Thursday, when we drop Afterthoughts, um, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll address some of those kind of questions directly. So I really want to thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Afterthoughts. Uh, as everything, this is a work in progress. We're going to grow. Um, so as, you know, you continue to listen, you know, if you have any suggestions, if there's things that you want us to include as part of Afterthoughts, let me know. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be coming back every week on Thursday. The episodes are going to drop directly in your feeds uh, after the episodes air on Monday. And we just really appreciate you guys continuing to listen to to us, continue to rock with us, um, grow with us. If you've been listening from the beginning, from from March 2021, then you know that this show has grown a lot um, and we're going to continue to grow. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.